the only way to achieve dramatic levels of healing is to be able to identify your triggers in your environment and rely on the unconditional love of Jesus Christ and those around you to help you move past your pain. Welcome to the Watch Me Rise podcast, where our goal is to help children and families move from trauma to triumph. We will provide very real conversations about the impact of early trauma while providing undeniable hope that true healing can be found. Here are your hosts, former foster youth, Trent Taylor, along with his adoptive mom, Pam Taylor. Good morning, Trent. Good morning. Are you awake this morning? Getting there. Getting there. Are you hungry this morning? I'm very. I'm always hungry. I know. You are a teenage boy. Yes. Yes, you are always, always hungry. I can definitely attest to that, and so can my grocery bill. So what are some of your very favorite foods? Uh, Let's see. Steak. Mm -hmm. Bacon. Mm, Bacon, yeah. Mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Mashed potatoes. Green beans. Broccoli. This list will go on and on, won't it? (laughs) I I, I could go on forever. (laughs) We'll just stop right there. Okay, yeah, that's a good start. Um, So you like... Almost everything in terms of foods, but yes. there are a couple of things that you absolutely cannot stand to even see. Yes. You want to share what those are? Hot pockets and pop tarts. Hot pockets and pop tarts. Yes, the nation's favorite food, but my top two not favorites. At all. <laughs> not I, favorites I, at all. I, I don't know how to say, but they, they are. All you favorite. even had a chapter in your book called yes. Hot, Hot pockets, pockets and, and top. Po- yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, so you want to explain a little bit why you do not like those foods? Well, first off, that's the primary thing I ate when I was in foster care, and that's like all they were giving me, and it was just, I got so tired of it, it was so nasty and so cheap, and that's exactly why they were giving it to us, because it's cheap, easy to do, easy to eat. And again, we know there are some wonderful foster parents oh, out there, but definitely. you you had some who were were trying to you know save on the grocery bill and yes. feed you some things that weren't so healthy. And yep. I apologize to anybody out there who loves pop tarts and <laughs> hot pockets because I know yeah. there are plenty. And I learned the hard way um, <laughs> that you did not care for those foods. Yeah, and no. I tried really hard to feed you guys very healthy. Yes, but one time I bought hot pockets. Yeah, and I think you were. I don't know, maybe nine or ten. You, you hadn't like been here all that long. Yeah, I remember very vividly. You were sitting at the the high chair, the high top table, mm-hmm. um, in the kitchen, and I put a hot pocket in front of you, mm-hmm. and it was as if I had stabbed you in the back with a knife. And do you remember how you reacted? Well, to be clear, because I did not want to eat it. I waited so long, it was cold, and <laughs> I wanted to do it warm. Actually, I didn't want it at all, but I would. that's the only thing that could come up to my mind. I'm like, it's cold, I don't want it, can't eat it, and I kind of like shoved it back at you, and I like started crying and melting down for absolutely no reason. I couldn't understand why I was so upset, but I did You did. That. You had a major league meltdown yeah. that day over a Hot Pocket. I know. And I was completely confused mm-hmm. and had no idea what I had done. Yeah. And that kind of leads us to our topic today as we work on helping people uh, towards healing from mm-hmm. trauma, right? So today we're going to talk about triggers 
And this is a big, important topic in terms of healing from your trauma. Would you agree? Yes, extremely. And we talked a little bit about a couple of your triggers, but I think before we go any further, if you would maybe define triggers from your standpoint as somebody who's been through trauma, if you would kind of define that for people. Of course. In simple terms, triggers are anything that can be sight, something you see, something you smell, something you hear that you associate or something that happened during your past trauma. So for me, it was the Hot Pockets and Pop-Tarts because I associated that with trauma, pain, and turmoil and just horrific abuse. So a simple object or simple food in that case was enough to take you all the way back to your trauma. Yes. Which is why you were crying in that moment, right? Yep. Yeah, I think you defined that very well. So yes, triggers are are anything in your environment Mm -hmm. that are reminders and take you back to that moment or to some of those moments, right, of trauma. Correct. So yeah, that's a very good definition. So why is it so important that we learn about triggers, do you think? Why, Why is that so critical in terms of trying to heal? Well, it's so critical because if you are able to understand that these certain things trigger you, you can then be like, okay, this is triggers me. This is why it triggers me. So then it helps you move on from that and it helps lose its power. When you're able to do that and for it's also important for the parents because like unfortunately for you you didn't understand how pockets triggered me and you learned the hard way but you know <laughs> but to save other parents and save the children from themselves you know it's important to understand these triggers because they don't like they don't understand why it triggers them they could like completely melt down just like i did for no apparent reason and they have no idea why but being able to see it and know why, it just it makes things better. It seems mm-hmm. like it just makes you feel better. And, and so just understanding yeah. it helps exactly. it lose its power. Yes. So let's dig into that a little further with your personal stories. So you had other triggers yes. as well that I think we discovered as a family as we went along. Mm-hmm. Most of them you weren't even aware of. Yeah. Right? Like you said, you would just be, you'd feel off or upset or something and not even know why. And then we would have to step back and kind of take a look at the environment and take it apart yep. to see, okay, what could what could have possibly caused that meltdown? So that was very powerful. And a few of those that we discovered by accident, <laughs> um, one that I remember was an apple cinnamon smell. Yes, it was very... And it was a very yeah. specific one that you mm-hmm. smelled in a store, mm-hmm. right? It was like a, a Michael's or some sort of craft shop. Uh-huh. And you you did, you wanted out of there. Oh yeah. You wanted out of that store. Yep. And I couldn't figure out why, but you mm-hmm. then at that point were able to tell me. Do you remember? Do you remember you were really young, but yeah. do you remember you were able to tell me you're like I don't like that smell. Yep. And then we had to to dissect why. Yep. Do you remember why you didn't like that smell? It reminded me of my biological grandmother who was abusive. Okay. Okay. So that smell and it's my understanding that smells are some of the strongest triggers. Definitely. Um, that's what I've learned mm-hmm. over the years. Yep. And, and that one was definitely a strong one for you. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, I tried to make sure we didn't have anything yeah. apple cinnamon scented yeah. in the house for a long time um, because that smell mm-hmm. would cause you to have very strong emotion, mm-hmm. right? There yes. were a few others that came up over time. Uh, one of them, which I never served, but I think you got in a restaurant or you saw it or something. 
but was horseradish. Yes. Right? Yes. That was a trigger for both you and your brother. Yes, And it kind was. of still is, I think. Yeah, I still don't like it. You want to explain why? Well, let's see. My last foster placement before coming to you guys, we were given a spoonful of horseradish as a punishment. Very frequently. Yes. Right? Yes. And unlike the Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Not horseradish <laughs> at all. And it, it was it's awful. It was it was cruel the way she used it and she's ruined horseradish for me and Mike forever. Yeah. So that was another trigger, which thankfully I don't like horseradish anyway, yeah, exactly. so we're we're good to go there. <laughs> But over time, we started discovering these things. Um, yes. There were a few more, and then we'll go on and dig this up, dig this up part a little further. But a big one um, was facial hair for a little yeah. while. And I'm sitting here looking at you now, and you now have facial hair. <laughs> um, but when you first came, facial hair was a big one for you. And this one's Definitely. a little harder to talk about, but yeah. you're very open about your story. So if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the reason why facial hair triggered me so much is because... My biological uncle, who was also my sex abuser, had facial hair, and I, every time I saw that, I used to think, mm, sex abuse, pedophile uncle, you know. Mm-hmm. So was, you kind of yeah. paired facial hair with sex abusers, yes, right? Because exactly. that was your mm-hmm. individualized experience. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful, and there's a lot of facial hair out there, including dad who had facial yeah, hair. Yeah. And it took us a while to figure out why you had issues with that. But mm-hmm. you were so introspective and able to look within, look within, yeah. that you figured that out. I think before we did. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That one, and you know, just a couple of other ones. You know, there would be songs that would come on the radio mm-hmm. that you'd be like, "Turn it off, turn it off." Yep. Um, I, I do know of one more. Mm-hmm. very strong trigger that I'm thinking of right now. Um, this was perhaps one of the strongest smells mm-hmm. that would set you off. Yep. And that was cigarette smoke. Oh, yeah. And that one is very difficult to avoid out in public. Yep. Um, because it's everywhere. Um, yes, it is. And that was a difficult one for you. Yeah. Um, because it... I don't want to speak for you. Why, why, yeah, was, why well, was that one such a, well, a big one? Because my biological father, he was a chain smoker. He smoked all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always smelled was cigarette smoke. And it was awful. It smelled awful. It's awful for your body. It's just mm-hmm. awful all around. All you around you specifically called it stale, stale cigarette smoke. I don't know why you used that word a lot, even when you were young. Yeah, well, because, you know, after he would smoke, it'd be a few hours later, and he'd still smell like smoke. Yeah, on the clothes and furniture and things. Furniture, skin, breath, everything. You know, just like, because when people smoke constantly, as much as he did, it's like it gets in your skin. Yeah, it permeates everything. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. It permeates, like, even the air you breathe. And, you know, even days later, you could still smell it, and it smelled like stale cigarette smoke. Simply put, stale cigarette smoke reminded me of my past pain. So again, sights, sounds, smells, all of those things could bring back that trauma. Any sensory input that you Mm -hmm. experience can be a trigger. We have done a lot of talking about your specific triggers. Mm -hmm. But as you know, since we work with a lot of children and families, all the triggers are individualized. That is for sure. But... There are certain things that seem to trigger most children who have experienced trauma. 
or children from hard places. Um, and one of those that I think we need to discuss because it's so impactful is holidays and celebrations. Mm-hmm. That was really difficult for me as a parent because as a new adoptive parent, we wanted everything to be perfect for the holidays. We wanted to have the best first Christmas with our with our newly adopted boys um, and have this you know fairy tale in our mind that got quickly destroyed. Destroyed. Yeah. 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 Let's be honest, right? Yeah, it did. Exactly. So do you want to talk a little bit about why holidays, and it seemed to be all holidays with yeah, you, definitely. Um, why they were such a trigger for you and why you think they might be for so many kids from hard places? Well, here's the thing. When you go through so many foster homes like I did, holidays don't really happen the way you think they would because, like, say, I remember one Christmas we were given a just a big cardboard box of things, not wrapped, nothing. Here you go, have some toys. It was so impersonal. It was just like not even worth the time to make it special. And, you know, and then once I finally got something, once I finally had that family time during Christmas when I was with you guys, it was just so amazing. And the reason why it was so hard at the same time is because it was too good to be true and I thought I'm gonna lose this so mm-hmm. I, I gotta act up because I'm, I'm gonna lose it and I'm so scared that I'll never have this again so that's why it was so hard for me mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense and you would like the the beginning like Christmas for example you would have a wonderful morning mm-hmm. and be perfectly behaved and then towards afternoon we could see it coming yeah we could see the meltdowns coming we knew it was gonna happen um, so we would plan accordingly, and honestly, that lasted for years. It did. It did. Birthdays were difficult, yep. Mother's Day, Father's Day, any of those celebratory days were difficult for you, mm-hmm. and now that we're working with so many children and families, we can definitely say that that is a trigger for most. Almost all. So what I'm hearing you say is it's pretty much that fear of loss. Exactly. Right? Yes. Okay. In yeah. which most kids who have been in foster care or from hard places are going to have that fear of loss because they've lost so much already. Right. Yeah. So I think it's important that people know that. So thank you for sharing that. And one other thing that as an adoptive um, and previous foster parent that I think I need to mention um, is that we need to be mindful that we might be triggered Mm -hmm. as adults in this process. We may have past trauma that we didn't even know was there yeah um that doesn't come up until we're we're walking this journey Mm -hmm. beside our children yes right yeah um and that's something i didn't experience so much personally but a lot of the families that we support Mm -hmm. have experienced that and i think that we need to be very very mindful of that and be mindful of ourselves and our own triggers Mm -hmm. that might arise um when Helping you through your own trauma. So that I think that's a really important piece. Now that we know about triggers, what do we do about it? So we spent a lot of time working together on how to identify your own triggers. Yes, we did. Were there times where you were triggered and had no idea why? Yeah, that was most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was most of the time. I just... And that's what was so hard because, like, something would bother me so much. It brought me to tears, but I couldn't figure out why. I just couldn't figure it out. And do you remember in those moments that we would literally drop to the floor? 
mm-hmm. and that would just hold you. Yes. Right. And yeah. and explain if that was that helpful. Was that what did that do for you? Just it just alleviated everything I was feeling in the moment. I'm like, it's what I it was something that I had been craving for so long. Was someone to care about me enough to drop on the floor and just cry with me. Mm-hmm. You know, because it showed that you truly cared. And then when I hurt, you hurt. And that just meant everything to me because I've never had experienced that in my life before. Nor did I even think it was possible for someone to care so much and be so in tuned to my needs. Yeah, we we spent a lot of time doing that. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we don't do that anymore. No. Right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you have truly, truly come past so yeah. much. Um also, I spent a lot of time studying you and studying your behaviors, mm-hmm. which was very helpful because I could tell that you were triggered by the side of your face turning red. Yes. And then you had what I called sad eyes. <laughs> I didn't know how to describe it, but I could see a difference in your eyes. and It was very subtle, and I don't think anyone else could see it, no. even when I pointed it out. Yeah, nobody was able to notice it but you. Yeah, because we spent so much time working, working through and, all of that. healing together. So I think there were times where I would look at you and say, Trent, something's got you triggered, right? You're triggered because I could see it in in your face. And then we would spend time together um, praying, right? Because in those moments where we couldn't figure anything out, what did we do? I mean, we prayed. I mean, that's all you can do when you don't understand what's bothering you. Cry out to the one who knows what's bothering you. You know, you cry out to Jesus and be like, Lord, please help me. I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. I'm crying. I'm so sad. I don't know how to fix it. But Jesus, you do. So just please let me feel your calming and protective hands upon me mm-hmm. and just help me in this moment, you know. And so many times we did just that. Exactly. We just, and sometimes, yeah. let's just be honest, because we said we were going to be honest and exactly. real. Sometimes we mm-hmm. never figured out what the trigger yeah. was, Right. Mm-hmm. But we got through it. Yes. We never figured out what the trigger was, but we kind of knew like if we were in that similar situation that it could be an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we ne- I mean, just because you can't figure it out doesn't mean you can't help move past it. Right. You know. Now, the ones that we could figure out and name mm-hmm. and call it out, there's a concept called name it to tame it. Yep. That's not mine. I don't own that. So let me give credit to Dan Siegel, who coined that phrase um, and has taught us a lot about this concept. Um, but naming it, naming it to tame it, mm-hmm. right? And that, what do you think that means? Well, what it means is just like it sounds. You identify the trigger, you name it, you call it what it is, and then you can overcome it or tame it. Right. It Simple loses its power. Yeah, exactly. Right? It loses its power over time. Exactly. And that became very evident as time went by Mm -hmm. and we were able to say okay well it's the apple cinnamon smell there it is because sometimes you can't avoid your triggers exactly and you know what it's not always good to avoid your triggers because Hmm. you can't go throughout life avoiding everything in the world because if you did that you you'd miss out on the good stuff you know Hmm. and also if you really think about it avoiding it it still gives it that power yeah, because still it's going to be there subconsciously, still, yeah, right? Yeah. It still gives those who hurt you the mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be fully free from your past, you got to name your triggers, you got to tame them, so that way they lose the power and you can be and you can overcome that. You that's know, interesting. That, that's another piece of healing and, you know, leaving your past in the past. 
but not running from it. Exactly. That's a consistent theme that I've heard from you as I've watched you heal, mm-hmm. is you've got to face your stuff. Head right? on. Head on. Yes. Even when it's hard. Even when it hurts. Right? And sometimes those triggers hurt. Yes, they do. And made you think about things you did not want to think about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we'd sit down on the floor and go, here we go again. Right? Yeah, yep. But we did it over and over and over again mm-hmm. until they lost their power. Exactly. They did. And those memories are just that. They're memories that don't have a hold on you exactly. anymore. And that's amazing to see. Mm-hmm. And now I love apple cinnamon. It tastes great, smells great. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. You don't love horseradish, though. No. I, <laughs> no, I will never love that. I don't want to even, no. Nah, that's one that I'm not going to, like, avoid looking at it, but I will avoid tasting it. Yeah, I think you just don't like it. <laughs> no, I, that, that's simply the fact. Is yeah. Like, it's, at this point, it's no longer that it triggers me. It's just something I don't like, yeah, period, yeah. regardless of it anymore. So. Yep. So do you still have triggers? You are 19 years old um, and 10 years, you know, past your, past your trauma yeah. and do triggers still exist in your environment? Of course. Of course they exist. But since I've been able to name it and then tame it, they have lost the power. They still bother me sometimes, but they don't how they don't hold the same power they once did. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big, big part of your mm-hmm. healing journey. So you you think it's really important then, like when you're mentoring other youth and teens, that we teach them how to identify their own triggers? Yes, it is crucial to be able to identify your own triggers because if you can't, then you're going to go throughout your whole life avoiding those certain things. And in the end, it still has that power over you because, you know, you go around, you're avoiding all these triggers you're not really overcoming your past trauma. It still has that hold on you. And those who hurt you still have that power over you. They've taken enough and it's time to take some of that back. So you see identification of triggers as being an extremely important part of your healing journey. Absolutely. The only way to achieve dramatic levels of healing is to be able to identify your triggers in your environment and rely on the unconditional love of Jesus Christ and those around you to help you move past your pain. If I were to ask you again, as I have in the past, um, what is the biggest piece of the healing journey and what what has it been for you? Jesus. Mm, And that's been your answer every time. (laughs) Straight up Jesus. Because without him, I would not be where I am today. I would not be sitting here, you know, on this podcast trying to help other people find him in all this hurt and pain. You know, he's the creator of all things. He's the savior of mankind as it is. So if you truly want to overcome your triggers and your trauma, I urge you to just fall on your knees and cry out to Jesus, regardless of however you feel, whether it's anger, sadness, joy. Just cry out to him and let him know how you feel. That's what I've done, you know, and that's what's helped me. Were there times when you cried out in anger? Yes, definitely. I was angry. I was sad. And honestly, that's what Jesus wants. He wants that personal relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And I think 
using him and going to him in this time helps that relationship just blossom even more in a more personal manner instead of just asking for simple things here and there and everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, but being able to cry out and say, God, Jesus, I'm angry. I'm sad. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm going through all this pain. Help me, you know, and obviously prayers and things like that aren't going to be answered immediately. It's Mm -hmm. on his time, his terms. It's going to happen the way he has it planned out. All you got to do is just stay faithful and hold on. You know, Mm -hmm. it was Jesus and you guys and your understanding of trauma. It just, all of that is what helped me. But Jesus, hands down, the biggest piece you will ever need. Absolutely. And my prayer as your mom is that you never ever ever lose that focus and lose that drive to do Mm -hmm. god's will um and to bring people to the lord exactly that's what that's what you're doing now and i'm so so proud of that thank you um and i need to say you know i attribute this to you and your 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 drive to fight Mm -hmm. um and your drive to face your trauma head on and we said that in episode one, and we're going yeah. to say it over and over mm-hmm. again because you cannot run from your trauma. No, you cannot. It's impossible. I've heard it said by my adoptive father, it's like running from your ears. It's impossible. You can't do it. And they're going to catch <laughs> up eventually because they're attached. They're part it, of you, exactly. right? Exactly. It's a part of you, and you can't run from it. Yeah. It's, it, you just can't. There's no way. And it's a part of who you are, and it's a part of both exactly. of why you're able to do what you're able to do now. Exactly. And we attribute every bit of that to the Lord, right? Definitely. Well, thank you for your honesty and thank you for being open and sharing with people. And our hope is that we can continue to educate and mm-hmm. to motivate and to provide people hope that true healing can be found, right? Exactly. Because you found it. Yes, I did. <laughs> and now we'll and, continue to try yeah. to... And it's my goal to help others find that same thing. And I will not stop until the day I die, until I have completed that. Excellent. If you want additional information or resources, please visit our website at www.watchmerise919.org. All right. See you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Watch Me Rise podcast. Join former foster youth Trent Taylor and his adoptive mom, Pam Taylor, next time as they help move children and families from trauma to triumph.